the roadmap is asking people um, to start to think about when they might make the switch to uh, um, uh, or switch away from a, a fossil fuel vehicle, which might be towards an electric vehicle or might be towards uh, uh, some combination of public transport, shared car use, uh, um, uh, e-bike, whatever works for them. But even ahead of that, you can just decide to wake up in the morning and try and get to, to work or school or wherever you're going in a different way. was Steve Skelton, one of the authors of the government's Carbon Neutral Roadmap, which has been published today. It sets out some firm policies to incentivise lifestyle changes that we'll all have to make if the island is to achieve its aim of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. By doing so, policymakers and politicians say the Jersey will be playing its part in avoiding catastrophic and irreversible climate change that will have a devastating impact on communities around the world. In the short term, the roadmap sets out how government will spend £23 million already earmarked for climate change initiatives. Longer term, it sets out more policies and sources of funding that future council ministers might consider to complete the journey. Steve has come into the Bailiwick Express studio to explain more. Steve, today we uh, received the Carbon Neutral Roadmap, which has been published by the government. Um, it obviously follows on from something we had uh, a document we heard quite recently, which was the carbon neutral preferred strategy, which set the framework of the roadmap and also aligned Jersey to the um, the Paris Agreement uh, to achieve uh, net zero carbon emissions or greenhouse ga- gas emissions by 2050. Can you just explain uh, the the high level what the what the roadmap really tries to achieve? Yeah, of course. The roadmap is the culmination of the work that was um, started with the declaration of a climate emergency in 2019. Uh, and it, it's been put together following the process that was established in a, a strategy that was agreed by the States Assembly in 2020. Uh, and that's involved um, a lot of engagement with islanders, a lot of uh, opportunity for them to have their say. We had the Citizens Assembly earlier this year uh, and, uh, and we've had in-committee debates in the Assembly and using all that information as well as our sort of technical evidence, we've put together effectively uh, two new things. The first is the long-term roadmap, if you like. So that um, shows where we need to get to over the next 30 years, uh, what our milestones are along the way, uh, what some of the decisions we'll have to take are, and then also what we call the delivery plan, which is a series of around about 30 uh, policies which try and uh, 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 help us become carbon neutral, particularly in the next few years. So let's um, let's look at those those deliverables. So we're looking over, what, is it between now and 2026? Is that right? Uh, yes, well, the next four years. So I guess calendar years would be through to the end of 25, yeah. And this is spending the £23 million that the government has already allocated into the Climate Emergency Fund, which has primarily been funded by a levy on, on, fuel, on, on, um, on fuel. Is that right? That is right, yeah. So uh, back in 2020, uh, the government plan established a, a Climate Emergency Fund and in the last few years, the uh, AMPO on fuel on the petrol and diesel we all buy at the pump has been increased by a few pence over uh, the RPI increase. And that money has been hypothecated and put into the fund so that it can be uh, spent on projects that help us decarbonise. Right. So we've got £23 million to spend over the next term of the government plan. Um, how's that money going to be spent? Uh, well, the work uh, has obviously looked at where our emissions are coming from, and uh, um, I'm sure many of your listeners will know that a lot of that in Jersey on island is around transport 
and heating systems, uh, both in our own homes and in our businesses. And so most of the money goes to policies um, that try and move us from our existing uh, fossil fuel transport and heating systems into low carbon, uh, um, primarily electric heating systems. And to do that, we need to do a couple of things. We need carrots and we need sticks. And the carrots uh, come in the form of a series of incentive schemes. So support to reduce the cost of an electric vehicle purchase or electric vehicle charging. Uh, um, uh, system uh, or a heating uh, system change and then the sticks come in the form of uh, uh, new regulations or commitments to bring in new regulations uh, which over time should start to phase out polluting technologies in our in our homes and uh, businesses and and, and on our roads. So looking just drilling down a little bit further so uh, just give me an example someone who is up for uh, buying a new car so there will be incentives for them to choose an electric car over an internal combustion engine. That's right. Um, and uh, at this stage, obviously, we're putting the the sort of general proposal out for consultation. We need to do quite a lot of work on, you know, for example, what would be the eligibility criteria? You know, what website would you go to? Would you get a voucher code? Would you, you know, h- how would you all, uh, how would you do all of that is still to be designed. But the basic premise is that when you, uh, uh, you know, recognising that doing the right thing, in this case, uh, buying a, a non-polluting uh, um, uh, uh, or a vehicle with no emissions, um, uh, costs more money, then there's should be some financial incentive alongside that as the cost of those vehicles reduces the incentive is likely to reduce as well and so we hope it encourages people to make that change sooner rather than later so does the roadmap envisage a electric island in terms of there is no more um internal combustion engines driving around our roads whether that be uh, re- whether that be individuals or whether that be commercial uh, so, so I think um, the the right fuel source of the future very much depends on on, on what it is. So I mean, cars and small vans, uh, we see uh, electric options coming forward already, and obviously electricity, if it's generated uh, um, from a low carbon source, it is a low carbon uh, provider of energy. Um, there are other um, uh, other sort of uh, energy uses that aren't uh, viable in that way, and so there's also policies in in the roadmap around reducing the duty on uh, on second generation renewable diesel or green diesel as, as people may know it and that's uh, um, uh, got a lot of use cases for perhaps heavier vehicles buses or some of the plant that uh, is used by public services in the island so uh, not everything uh, uh, will be electric and, and certainly not immediately uh, there are different avenues for different sorts of, uh, of systems heating and transport just looking at heating um, obviously a lot of islanders will have gas and oil burners and, and tanks could you just outline how how the roadmap might affect them? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one of the things we're keen to hear uh, Islanders' views on is um, a policy um, which has a couple of parts, and certainly we are um, committed to, or, or ministers have set out a commitment to um, uprate uh, the what are called the building bylaws, the standards by which new builds and, and, and renovations are, are judged. Um, but also to uh, to do that in such a way that um, from it's suggested in the consultation draft from the start of 2026 new connections of oil and gas boilers uh, would not meet standards would not be allowed 
Um, if you had those systems in your house, they can still be uh, um, uh, fixed. Um, you know, if they fail, there need to be emergency cover arrangements in place. Uh, but when it comes to uh, replacing systems, uh, we would want um, people to be able to replace them with uh, low carbon or, or zero carbon alternatives. And back to our previous conversation, that may in many cases be electric. It may not always be electric. And so we're talking, as you can imagine, to fuel uh, providers about options for um, uh, alternative, what are called non-fossil hydrocarbons, um, so like the green diesel I, I talked about before uh, and the, the heating system options and alternatives that are available. Now, for £23 million at one level is, is a lot of money, but at another level, it's a, it's, it's a half a secondary school. It's a, it's a very expensive 1-1K house. What happens when the, that money is used up? Obviously, this is um, going to cost more than that. How much will it cost? And where do you think that source of funding will be to, to bridge from... Um, from 2026 all the way to, to 2050. Yep. Um, so this is a, a, a big a big question um, that uh, we obviously um, are giving plenty of thought to. Um, I think so. How much will it cost? Um, we we can only really know the costs of the things we're setting out to do, and and those are set out in the roadmap. So the policies that have been uh, designed are modelled uh, in terms of. Uh, how much they should reduce our emissions and uh, the roadmap sets out that if they were sort of fully applied uh, that cost uh, to government would be uh, around about uh, 250 million pounds that's including the 23 that's available now but it's important to say that's the cost uh, of uh, for example giving you an incentive to buy an electric vehicle the additional money you might spend on that electric vehicle um, uh, it would obviously come from from your your income and from your uh, um, your budget as it were and so that's not something that we uh, are able to really profile because you know we don't know what car you're going to go and buy and whether that's going to cost more or less so in terms of the direct cost to government of the current policies around about 250 million where might that come from uh, well the 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 roadmap sets out sort of three sources the first is the climate emergency fund which is already available to us. The second uh, is um, a commitment which is in the government plan currently to look at four new polluter pays charges in areas such as road use uh, or commercial side waste charging, for example. They will be considered, they may be brought forward, they may not be, uh, and some of that income uh, um, should be available for the Climate Emergency Fund. Beyond that, uh, the strategy commits to um, uh, essentially answering the question of how we close the gap, uh, but that's a work that's uh, going to have to take place over the next 18 months and, and be agreed by a future Council of Ministers. Uh, but but it, does, it does commit to looking at all the options uh, from um, use of uh, consolidated fund general taxation through to um, options to work with partners uh, uh, um, to, to jointly invest or, or anything else. Does the um, roadmap make any suggestions on whether the government structure should change in order to improve the chances of success with its implementation? Um, so it, uh, if, if we think about government as, as the ministerial portfolios, then the answer is uh, yes. There was a recommendation made by the Citizens' Assembly uh, that government should look to uh, um, have a ministerial portfolio for energy and climate change. And that's been uh, considered by the steering group uh, that put this together and that is being recommended in the roadmap. Um, we, would, we would hope that recommendation was picked up by the, uh, the next Council of Ministers. And looking at other sectors, we've, we've looked in the short term at transport and heating because that's the, the, the biggest carbon and, and uh, greenhouse gas emission emitters in Jersey. What about other sectors? What about aviation is obviously a, is a key one, uh, construction as well. These are all um, greenhouse gas emitting industries in Jersey. 
That's absolutely right. Um, so yeah, as, as, as I sort of touched on before, um, the, the roadmaps prioritised work in those areas that um, generate the most emissions, but we've also talked uh, about the sort of future scenario for aviation and working with colleagues at Ports of Jersey, there's a sort of a statement to try and align to a, a, an industry um, emissions uh, trajectory, which is called a Jet Zero Scenario 2, I think, and that um, uh, is towards the ambitious end of what I think a, a aviation industry are trying to deliver, um, and it, uh, it um, aims for net zero aviation by 2050, but also, uh, crucially for Jersey, net uh, zero uh, domestic aviation by 2040, I think. So um, I know that colleagues at Ports uh, are... Um, uh, you know, very keen to, um, you know, make the most of the, um, well, the routes, uh, uh, but also I think the um, independence we have as a jurisdiction to push us to the forefront of, uh, of, of decarbonised aviation and to really try and um, make some progress in that area. And what does the roadmap say um, about how Jersey can absorb its own carbon and start taking a little bit more responsibility in terms of its own sequestration or other other things that more solar, more renewable energy. What can what can Jersey do, and what does the roadmap say about that? Uh, so, as a small island, we've obviously got limited uh, options around uh, on-island sequestration, so tree planting. Um, but we do uh, have access to our uh, marine environment, and the roadmap does set an ambition for us to uh, try and significantly uh, increase the. Um, the sequestration potential of our of our uh, of our seas, what's known as blue carbon. Um, it's important to recognise that blue carbon currently is not rec- it's, it's not recognised by the international greenhouse gas uh, accounting standards as a, as a sequestration. But we would hope that would uh, um, uh, the science would back up a change in that as we go forward. And uh, I know there are other other places in the world that would want to see that as well. So. Um, it, it says there's a, there's a huge option, uh, an opportunity uh, there for us and, and, and put some funding towards the work necessary to try and unlock that. And how does this, how does Jersey's roadmap compare with others? We're, obviously, lots of nations have signed up for Paris, but does this put us ahead? Does this put us on a par with comparable jurisdictions? I think that's a really good question. I, I, I would say it probably puts us on a par with comparable jurisdictions. So our uh, um, our access, if you like, to the Paris Agreement is by an extension of the UK's ratification. Um, and that would be available to other Crown dependencies. And we've talked with them and, uh, and talked with UK government ministers at, at COP26 about that uh, uh, an extension of that ratification. So uh, um, we think we're on a par with where the other crown dependencies are going uh, and on a par with where the uk are going uh, it you, you know it's 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 reasonably fair to say that the uk set you know reasonably ambitious targets um, but certainly not anything out with what the science says is necessary to try and uh, limit global warming to um, to around about 1.5 degrees and just tell me how the, the roadmap fits in with other government policies i'm just for the for People may be a bit confused. We've got the tra- sustainable transport policy, which encourages us to get the bus. We've got the Bridge and Island Plan, which gives guidance on what uh, building quality and 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 uh, and where houses can be built. Um, how does this fit in with with other policies? 
so, so it's been obviously developed with an eye on those other policies, and you'll see references, you know, you know, between the documents. Um, I think what what are the things that obviously uh, uh, we are are conscious of uh, uh, as sort of civil servants is that until the roadmap is adopted uh, uh, by the states assembly, it's not formal policy. So um, some of the impacts it will have on things like uh, planning policy or on or an economic strategy will will only come once it has formal standing within within the. Um, uh, uh, the kind of uh, the you know, public policy framework, um, so it will continue to have downstream impacts. But I think once it is in place, we'll see those impacts quite broad. Uh, it will have to uh, um, uh, re- require a, a degree of action in a, in a lot of strategic areas uh, um, in the future years. And, and just a, this is quite a high level question, Steve. But how will this impact the the everyday lives of islanders, and what choices can everyday islanders? Make which will either be compatible with the roadmap or indeed encouraged by the roadmap. So a lot of people, I think, already um, are, are familiar with the basic tenets of uh, of sort of uh, how to try and um, do your bit. Um, travel and transport is a, is is a, a real opportunity um, because yes, the roadmap is asking people um, to start to think about when they might make the switch to. Uh, um, uh, or switch away from a, a fossil fuel vehicle, which might be towards an electric vehicle, or might be towards uh, uh, some combination of public transport, shared car use, uh, um, uh, e-bike, whatever works for them. But even ahead of that, you can just decide to wake up in the morning and try and get to, to work or school or wherever you're going in a different way, um, preferably on a day that's not raining. Uh, but there's there's lots of stuff people can do in that space uh, already, and uh, you know there's plenty of advice out there, including on the government website for people who want to look at the action they can take now. Finally, Steve, um, this is a, a a period of consultation which follows this. Just tell me a little bit about consultation, how long it lasts, um, how people can engage, and when the states will will make a decision. We've uh, obviously had the benefit of a lot of input already, and you can see some of the the read through from those early ideas uh, through the citizens' assembly into these policies. So, so there's a lot of consultation gone into it already, and this final phase of consultation, sort of final check on the proposals, runs through to the end of January. Um, there will be a, a range of ways to get involved. So, there's a, a, the best way is is to look at the document, or if you're a little bit time pressed, to look at the summary document, or even the video that will be on the website, and then to look at the survey that's been put out, which is which is not too long, hopefully, and people can engage with that uh, equally if you want to read the full thing and, and provide written comments on on any of that then we're very uh, happy to take those as well we'll be running um, stakeholder briefings and we'll be um, uh, supporting our colleagues in education and in schools to have conversations about this um, we uh, will be running some focus groups and other things um, and you know keep an ear out for the adverts and keep an keep an eye out for the uh, the links through to uh, to this um, survey uh, and then, uh, you know, we hope that we get a really good response and we can use that to inform the final uh, final draft in in the new year. Uh, that needs to be lodged in March and we hope it will be debated in the Assembly in April. Thanks to Steve Skelton for talking with me today. And thank you for listening to the Bailiwick podcast. You can find the podcast on all the usual pod places. And don't forget to like and share. The music at the beginning and end of this podcast is I Shift My Weight by Luno. Tune in next week for more.